What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods coming at you with another episode in our Big Ten and 31 Days thing we have going on this month. And we are joined by Stephen Brooks, who is a Michigan State beat reporter for 247 Sports. I just wanted to say, man, I appreciate you taking time today to join me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. For sure. So, you know, we got to talk about last season. It was a weird season with COVID, especially with the Big Ten. We didn't even think the Big Ten was going to play football till late August, September. The Spartans finished two and five. But did this season, just based on what you were expecting being Tucker's first season, did this season exceed, fall short of or meet your preseason expectations? Uh, it's, it was tough to even have expectations, honestly, just given how weird everything was. Um, and Michigan State isn't in a unique spot. You know, I'm sure we'll get into this, you know, in different ways over the course of this. But, yeah, you know, I mean, to me, I think, you know, I've heard the idea of year zero embraced by a lot of folks. And, to, and now 21 is really year one for Tucker to a lot of them. And, you know, I can I can agree with a lot of that just because the the challenges were so unique. And, and especially even in Michigan State, you know, I know everybody had tons of challenges with this past year. But um, with Tucker's late arrival – the timing of it all um, really made it especially tough on them in certain ways. So um, I think it was about what people expected. You know, they didn't go winless, and the two wins were big. That's a, that's a huge part of it. Um, when you're talking about beating Michigan, which they didn't end up being a great team, but um, ended up, you know, that's always an important win, and for that to be so early um, and, and Tucker to win the first one against them means something here. So, and then the other one was against Northwestern, who was number eight and unbeaten at the time. Um, so. You know, the, the, the bright spots were pretty bright. Um, but other than that, people did expect it to be a down year. Um, the, you know, they acknowledged that it was a, it's a, that the talent had dropped off, you know, in the program, um, at the end of the D'Antonio era and that Tucker wasn't just walking into like a ready made deal by any means. So, um, you know, people would like one or two more wins, I'm sure, you know, make them sleep a little easier, but, um, it wasn't total failure. And, you know, <laughs> I think really just avoiding that, like avoiding embarrassment and like totally going off the rails was really the only goal at the end of the day and they definitely did that did enough to inspire some confidence and I think that's kind of what it is it's still you know it's still there's still so much to be written about how this is all going to play out right and you know August 11th was the date that Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren made that ruling to postpone the season I believe it was six days after he plans and releases this conference only schedule was Michigan State behind the scenes fighting this decision? We heard publicly Nebraska, Iowa, some Ohio State talk. I mean, Nebraska was even rumored to try to leave the Big Ten. Was Michigan State fighting back? And I just want to know, what was your initial reaction, and what was Michigan State's plan if, if let's say, Kevin Warren doesn't change his mind? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't know. I think Michigan State was one of the quieter in the bunch, you know, when that was all going on. Um Look, they just have, they just brought in a new president. He, I forget exactly. He's been there less than two years. I think this might be a second academic year. It is. I'm pretty sure. Um, he's an infectious disease expert. He's a medical doctor by trade. That's their president. Okay. So they were, they were in no position as a school to be out there, um, publicly or privately, I believe, you know, uh, to be making any kind of movement toward that. And then you've got, again, Mel Tucker, who's fresh on the job, you know, doesn't want to rock the boat any. Um, and why, you know, why would you, there, there's really no need. Uh, and especially because it kind of helped him, you know, I mean, you could make a very strong argument at that time that not playing a season, you ask, you know, what if they don't reverse, 
you know, at the time there, you could make a compelling argument that that would have been a good thing for Michigan State. So, you know, like I mentioned off the top, if people are confused, like Mel Tucker was hired on February 12th. You know, that's a very, very late time in the cycle for a power five head coach to take over. And then the COVID shutdowns essentially came in mid-March. You know, we're talking March 12, 13, 14. He had um, one recruiting weekend since he's been on the job to this day. So, you know, even a guy like Greg Schiano, you know, you want to talk about first-year coaches. He was hired in December um, and got on the job, got some transfers in. Like, there's really not a comparable situation. Again, I tr- I do understand everybody had a lot of the same complications, but Michigan State did have some unique ones with that timing. So he's, he's in here February 12. He gets a staff by, like, the end of February, and literally just days later, everything's different. Half the summer's gone, and, you know, the season's on and off. So that circles me all back to – you know, at that point, they were so behind the eight ball. No spring ball, of course, uh, included in all that. So would it really have hurt them you know, to not play? Um, I was somebody at that time. I was like, man, maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing just for Michigan State. You know, of course, everybody wants to play. I want them to play. Right. But um, at that point, you could understand some practical reasons why a delay might help them because they were so far behind um, just in terms of this new staff taking over. Right. I mean, that, that stat about Healy, up until even today, he's only had one week of off-campus recruiting. That has to be the most brutal situation of all time. And, you know, I want to get to some on-the-field stuff. We saw kind of a quarterback battle, I guess you could call it, between Rocky Lombardi and Peyton Thorne throughout the year. What does each of these quarterbacks need to improve on, do you, in your opinion? And do you think either guy's going to become the starter next year, or do you think a transfer like – Anthony Rousseau, who's coming in from Temple, is going to end up taking that QB1 role. So Lombardi's gone. He, he's already left. He's at NIU okay. now, um, Northern Illinois. So he's out of there. Um, yeah, when you say battle, it's like, um, you know, it's like when the fumble's on the ground and nobody can pick it up. They're just squirting it out. Like, it wasn't a battle and, like, two guys trying to grab it. It was like, it was just like, it was like, who could, you know, who was the least bad, I guess. That's <laughs> kind of how it right. ended up being uh, to a certain degree. Um so, yeah, anyway, I think it comes down to right now, I think, to Peyton Thorne, who's, however you want to look at it, a redshirt freshman again, I guess, you know, or a third-year redshirt freshman or, you know, um, however you want to, like I said, call that with the eligibility freeze. Um, he only got to play a little bit at the end. He only got the one start against Penn State. He had a really nice first half against Penn State. So there's still a lot to be determined with him. Um, he's the son of a coaches. He's the son of a coach, um, grandson of a coach. Uh, his dad is uh, is a coach in the D3 ranks, just won a national title at a North Central College um, one or two years ago. So um, smart dude, smaller, a little, little nimble, um, you know, not going to kill you with his legs, but can move, uh, you know, quick release, uh, you know, pitch it and go type of guy. Um, but I just think, you know, so Lombardi hadn't played well enough to have like to take as many snaps as he did, you know. So the fact that we didn't see Thorne earlier last year kind of raises some red flags. Um, You know, if you trust the coaching staff and they've, they've given us no reason not to yet in that front. So, um, you know, his, but his smaller sample size, he did some good things. Um, I would have liked to see more of him. I think there were, there were moments for sure in some of those losses where there was, it was appropriate to get him in, I thought. And um, that didn't happen until late in the season. So there's a lot to be seen with him. Um, He's a guy that really probably could have used spring ball last year. All that being said, I think Russo comes in. I mean, they don't go get a, a seasoned, you know, a 20-plus game starter for nothing, um, and he doesn't come in. If I'm, I'm sure if he doesn't see a favorable situation in some way. Um, 
I absolutely see him as that bridge guy right now. I would say he's the leader, you know, definitely if they suited him up today. But, you know, with, with his experience going through spring ball, I think that he'll just raise the baseline at that position. You know, I don't think – I don't expect him to wow people. I mean, if he does, good right. for them. Um, but I do think it's mostly just about raising that baseline um, because last year it was so inconsistent and, and you know, a below average most of the time. So uh, if he can just give you a steady, you know, B – B minus, B plus on Sunday's performance every day. That's a huge upgrade, um, relatively speaking. So uh, I like him right now. And then they brought in a kid named Hampton Fay as their as this staff's first uh, true freshman, you know, first QB signee. So that's interesting. Um, I don't think he'll be ready. He had a shoulder injury in high school, so he only started ten games at quarterback between his injury and the pandemic. So a lot of you know he's a guy that's like super raw, but you like the ceiling, but um. I don't really expect him to be in the mix, but he's just another guy to know, like for for down the line. Right, and I mean those QB struggles have to be so hard for, especially a defensive-minded head coach who has spent his whole career building defenses. And that's what I kind of want to talk about. Head coach Mel Tucker, you've mentioned, just finished his first year, kind of a crazy hire. Goes to Colorado. Goes away after one year, comes Michigan State, but he built one of those dominant defenses in the country at Georgia. Even has some time at Alabama. What makes him such a special coach? And personally, do you think he's the right guy to rebuild to, to rebuild Michigan State? Oh man, that's a huge question. Um, in terms of like just him, I mean, uh, he lives football, and like I guess all these guys do. Once you get to a head coach at a Power Five like that, but. Uh, that really sticks out. I mean, like, just like anybody, I mean, he, he, he came up under Saban, okay? So there's a lot of that. In it. Um, you know, I think you should be encouraged or at least, you know, you know, withhold judgment, I guess, um, if you're a state fan. Uh, his resume is outstanding. It's just that he's not a proven head coach, you know? And, and you know, there's a big difference, as we all know, when you're in that big seat at the end of the day. Um but his resume, again, I mean, Nick Saban, Jim Trestle, Romeo Cornell, um, all these different guys, uh, NFL experience of about a decade, I think. So he knows what it takes. He's been on every side of it. Um, and he's been at, you know, what I think should be most encouraging is uh, he's been at Alabama and Georgia most recently. I guess other, the one year at Colorado, of course. But um, they, so he's been in the, in the thick of it and seen how the elite of the elite run. He knows what it's supposed to look like, what your players are supposed to look like, what the process and, and infrastructure are supposed to look like. And so he's brought some of that here. He's what he's done so far has brought Michigan State in a lot of ways, you know, into the 21st century, into 2021 and the modern game. Um, and I mean that in terms of uh, the recruiting staff, you know, there's more bodies there. There's there's way more going on with that uh, from a staffing perspective. Um there's a there's a whole creative department now, you know, that does all the graphics and videos and all that. Like that's a, you know, that might not seem like much, but that's an investment, you know, and that's what it's keeping up with the Joneses. So uh, they've got a new uh, facility on the way and stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I think he, like I said, I think he's moving it in the right direction. Um, but it's really gonna be, you know, it's obviously too early to to say. I, I like that things that he's brought here in terms of that energy. It's a program that needed that energy, um, needed some. Um, just some juice, you know, some a shot in the arm or something because uh, the D'Antonio era at the end had gotten so just sort of sleepy and, and outdated and, and there was just apathy setting in and that wasn't too far removed from some, from some really good years. So, uh, like I said, uh, the main takeaway so far is Tucker has put a lot of – brought a lot of energy, modernized a lot of things, 
And now I think it's on him to capitalize on some of this stuff in terms of getting some recruits, not just, you know, getting in the top three and four, like, you you know, like you weren't doing before still, but actually closing. And then uh, of course, you know, his acumen on game day and, and how his teams play and, and what type of stuff he draws up to get wins. Right. And I mean, I think there's kind of an opening right now in the big 10, especially with Michigan not being what they were Nebraska is, I would say arguably a dumpster fire right now. And there's some, uh, there's some openings. We saw Minnesota take a huge step back. So I'm interested to see what he does, but I love having people on 247 on here because I love talking recruiting. I'm a recruiting guy and you guys can talk it. It's a lot of people don't follow it as closely as, as, as I do, but national signing day wrapped up the Spartans top 50 class, according to 247. They have some great high school talent, but the real story for me nine transfers in this recruiting class coming from all around the country includes players from Michigan, Florida, as you see the Auburn jerseys in the background, you guys probably got my favorite player on the transfer portal, Harold Joyner. I love that kid at six, four running back, which transfers do you think were Michigan state's biggest targets and who do you think will make an immediate impact? Yeah. Yeah. And like that goes back to what I just said in terms of modernizing things and like, Hey, the transfer portals here, the smart coaches are using it. You know, you might not like it or whatever, but it is what it is. And that's a, you know, that's a way to be- make your team better. And they have been as aggressive as anybody um, doing it. Um, in terms of most important to me right away, it's Jarrett Horse, the offensive tackle from Arkansas State. He was a, from Wisconsin originally, went to JUCO, ended up at Arkansas State. Uh, two pretty good years there. Um, all-conference guy in the Sun Belt. And then um, his coach, you know, the coaching staff turned over and uh, he went out and he had like Oklahoma and Texas and a bunch of uh, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of good names after him. And then um, Michigan State got him anyway. So they've been down at tackle for a long time. Their offensive line in general, uh, for folks that aren't into it, you know, every week, uh, their offensive line has been a weak spot in the program for a while. And especially offensive tackle. They've been playing basically, you know, guards at tackle for quite a while now. They lack that true long you know, agile tackle type, and that's this guy. So I think he's plug-and-play starter from day one. And then what he does is move and moves Kevin Jarvis, who is a natural guard, who was filling in at right tackle, um, moves him into right guard. And so you make two spots better with one right away. Um, absolutely a big deal because, again, the offensive line has been, you know, subpar for Big Ten competition for multiple years now. And now you get, you know, Jarvis is probably their best player was – um, before horse at least so like I said you move him back to his natural spot you add an all-conference you know a sunbelt guy at tackle you would, you would assume he's the worst uh, an average Big Ten player and uh, you know you take a big jump there uh, I think Kenneth Walker from Wake Forest he's an exciting dude to watch um, you know surprised that uh, I guess maybe I shouldn't say surprised but a bummer for Wake Forest letting him get away because yeah. he is really good uh, I think he'll probably be their starter honestly he just sort of brings that complete package that they don't really have um they were running at the end of the year, mostly with Jordan Simmons, a true freshman. And, you know, he's a straight line home run hitter type, but he's not really built to be a, a three down guy. Whereas I think uh, Walker is, um, I keep looking over here cause I gotta have him on a list to make sure I don't miss anybody. <laughs> Russo, like I said, to, if they played today, I think he'd start. And, you know, I, I don't really see that. I mean, it, I wouldn't imagine that changes, you know, through fallout. I would expect him to be the game one starter, but you know, I might look dumb, I guess, after spring ball in a couple of weeks uh, by saying that. <laughs> Uh, Chester Kimbrough will probably start, will be in the mix to start at cornerback. Um, that's a position that's been thinned out extremely through the transfer portal. You know, they've brought in a ton of guys. They've lost a ton of guys in the transfer portal this year. I think it's 15 or 16 even. 
Um, well over a dozen, I know. So, and, and cornerback was a position that got hit hard. So I think he'll be right in that mix. And then the other one I got to mention is Ben Van Sumeren, who, you know, comes over from Michigan, which in its own right is an interesting deal. Yeah. Um, linebacker is another position that got thinned out real bad by graduation and the transfer portal. So he'll have a shot right away. And, and I don't think they're done yet at linebacker. I wouldn't be surprised to see one, maybe even two more guys there because there's opportunity, uh, you know, to go around at that spot right now. Right. I mean, I, I think there's, if I'm not mistaken, I believe um, Henry Toto from Tennessee, former five-star still in the transfer portal. So that could be someone interesting to watch. But I, th- I think Alabama is the leader for him. Of course they are as an Auburn fan. They're in the lead for everybody. But, you know, l- looking way ahead, the Spartans have the number 31 class right now for 2022. We still got a long way to go, but that window has seemed to be shrinking due to early signing day. You want to have your class roll in way earlier now, now that you can sign these kids in December. What positions for you are the biggest needs for Michigan State this upcoming year? And who are some players we need to watch out for that Michigan State, if they got to pick one, two, three people, would land right now if they could? Well, I mean, it's <laughs> you could take your pick at a lot of spots. Um, uh, again, offensive line is a big one. Um, they just took a big class uh, with, uh, I think it was five. Um, I kind of like cycled 21 out of my brain already. Um, I think it was it was four or five offensive linemen last class. And uh, I think those are some solid, uh, you know, depth guys at worst, um, you know, decent starters at best probably. I think this class has a shot to be your upper level, you know, high level starters, maybe fringe all conference guys potentially, you know, like your big timers on the offensive line. Um, they've already got two committed, uh, two guys who projected guard, Christian Phillips and Gavin Brocious. Uh, and then they're now they're kind of just hunting down some big time tackles or at least really just any tackles, I guess. Um, <laughs> like I mentioned earlier, they, they lack that body type on the roster. So, you know, I, I don't I, I won't just, you know, bore people with just 30 names, I guess. But I mean, like um, Keontae Goodwin, you know, is a guy that they'd really love to get. Jacob Allen is a good, that guy out of New Jersey they'd love there. Um Defensive back is going to be a big class. Uh, quarterback, of course, again, you always want to see them get a high choice. Um, and, and that's the interesting thing right now as we talk today is so many um, of these top QBs in this class are committing um, and committing early in the cycle. And, and it's interesting because visits are off right now, of course, but they are down the line, it looks like, you know. And so they, mm-hmm. but these guys are jumping at it right away. And they've been going through this, obviously, for a year now with without any visits. So, that is interesting, um, and they're in on a, on a good amount of, you know, four-star, uh, top, you know, 300 kids and all of that. Uh, A.J. Duffy out of IMG is is announcing this month, and, and they're in the mix for him, um, some guys out in California. So you want to see that. Uh, it, it, I don't know if there's any – I don't think it's as much position, to be honest with you, man, as just upgrading talent. And like I mentioned a little bit earlier, like that was one of the big things at the end of the D'Antonio era is, you know, people say, what happened to Michigan State? Why'd they fall off? Uh, it just, you, you got to really look at the talent just had, had declined a little bit. And, you know, they're starting, you know, they could get a good 22 out there maybe still, but, but the two deep, um, that's where you really felt it. And, uh, so like I said, it, it, there's not as much of a, I don't think, you know, there are positions, of course, defensive end, cornerback, um, tight ends, a spot they really got to replenish linebacker. You'd like to see a couple more guys. But like I said, I think it's more about just upgrading positions, almost an NFL draft best available kind of mindset. You know, of course, you have your framework. But um, but yeah, across the board, there's no spot that Michigan State can't upgrade their talent level right now. Um, 
to to compete because they they are absolutely a click behind, you know, the top dogs and, and maybe you know a click and a half of Ohio State right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we talked to um, Matt Andrews from Ohio State, and that's what he said. We were talking about the perception of the Big Ten. He said everyone just seems to be a step or two behind in recruiting, and that's kind of hurt the perception of the Big Ten at times. And I want to look forward to next year, though. That we, we talk about Russo, we talk about some of these incoming freshmen, but who might be on the roster right now that you think could really shine and have their breakout season this upcoming year? Ooh, that's interesting. Um, uh, the two uh, two offensive linemen, I know it's not sexy. I know we've talked to a lot of O-line here, but uh, if you follow Michigan State, again, it's important, um, and you know how bad it's been, but – these two guys, you know, guard J.D. Duplain and, and center Nick Samak, I would expect them to have nice third years. Um, they got thrown in right away as true – not right away, but as true freshmen middle of that year um, and, and held their own. And then last year I thought took some steps and still look like sophomores. And next year I think after basically, you know, just getting a ton of time their first two years, I think they should be ready to, to like I said, be that very solid starter, you know, maybe fringe all-conference type of thing, maybe. Um, that'd be a big step. Uh, Trenton Gillison, their tight end, is a guy that we've been waiting to, to sort of have that breakout year, and it's still a position, like I mentioned, that that, that doesn't have much depth, so there's opportunity. Um, he's a guy that's like 6'4", 250-ish, you know, can be that uh, sort of, you know, middle-of-the-field mismatch and stuff, um, moves well. He's just never really gotten it going um, since he's been here. Former four-star kid, he'd be a breakout guy. Any of the receivers, I think, could have a big year. I mean, they sort of relatively had nice years last year with the shortened year. Um, I like all those guys. Jaden Reed is a guy I'm a big fan of. Jalen Naylor is, is I think, going to be a big-time player for him. Um, Trey Mosley, I think, could come out and have a big year. They got a lot of nice receivers right now. Um, defensive backfield is totally sort of unproven in a lot of ways. Uh, linebackers, basically a clean slate almost. And, yeah, D-line sort of the same way. So, um, yeah, I'll say those would be the guys. You know, another one I guess would be a uh, defensive tackle, Jalen Hunt. I like him a lot. He was a backup last year, have a much bigger role this year. Um, he was a guy who uh, they got late in the cycle in 2019. He was going to Iowa and didn't uh, things didn't work out, and they ended up getting him. And uh, he's been a nice, real late. You know, one of those one of those diamond in the rough type of guys. And uh, I think he'll have a nice year this year. Right. And, you know, looking at the schedule moving forward, I mean, this schedule is has some brutal road trips on it. I mean, to go to Northwestern, that like week one, have a road trip to Miami, who is returning De'Eric King, who's a stud quarterback, a road trip to Indiana. We've seen what Tom Allen's doing over there and a road trip to Ohio State, along with some other tough games coming into Michigan State. What do you think the ceiling and or floor could be for this 2021 team? Oh man, yeah, that's tough. Um, like you said, it is hard. Uh, it, it looks it looks hard right now. Of course, you know we we never really know. I guess um, Miami is obviously a big one. Um, Western Kentucky, I don't know what they did last year, but I mean they're usually a a, a respectable um, team at that like you know, group of five team. Uh, they're usually you know you're just gonna walk over them typically. Uh, at Indiana, yeah, I mean that actually might be tough this uh, this year. They got some hype building in there right now and. I'm a huge Michael Penix fan. Uh, I think he's yeah. really nice. Uh, and then at Ohio State, yeah, I mean, that that speaks for itself. Um, Michigan, Penn State at home, you like that. So, I mean, without, you know, really breaking down game by game and momentum and stuff, like, I think most folks want to see six wins and get to a bowl. And I think that they'd be happy with that for the most part. 
um, where those all factor in. I mean, look, it might be hard to, to go down the line right now, but I think right. that would be it. I don't see them competing for much more than that. I mean, I think eight wins would be like a miracle season somehow, or guys are just a lot better. And these plug and play guys are seamless fits. And, um, they're all of a sudden, you know, they're new players, they're better players, they're experienced players and it, you know, off they go. Um, I don't necessarily see that, you know, for all of them, I'm sure there'll be a couple nice hits like that. But, uh, yeah, like I think, you know, I think you're looking at anywhere. The true range, probably four to eight. They're not so bad that they're just going to bottom out, but four to eight, um, and probably most likely right there in the middle, though, like five or six. Right. And, you know, like these two last questions here. One is about the environment of East Lansing and Spartan Stadium. The other one, I kind of I like to see where I guess people outside our listening base is in the south. I'm from Alabama. My co-host on hiatus right now is from Louisiana. So we are SEC country based podcast. You know how SEC fans are kind of kind of out there. I want to talk about the perception of the Big Ten. Why do you think there's this perception that it's Ohio State and everyone else in the Big Ten? Like, what do you think has to happen for the Big Ten to get the depth respect that you see some, like, the conference, like the SEC get uh, from the national media? Because for me, I thought Indiana was a true playoff contender until Michael Penix went down. I thought Northwestern had a lot of bright spots. They They almost should have beat Ohio State. I think... Penn State, Minnesota had down years, but Minnesota two years ago definitely was one of the best teams in the country. Why do you think that perception is so skewed in terms of the national landscape? Yeah, and you you mentioned all those examples. Um, people up here believe strongly that – I don't know if you guys remember, you or your listeners, but um, the Michigan State team that won the Rose Bowl in the 2013 season – it was a 2014 yeah. Rose Bowl, but 2013 season – um, when Auburn was in the national title game, uh, yeah. people up here are convinced that that Michigan State team would have went toe to toe to them with them at least uh, the way that MSU team was playing at the end there, and it was right it was the right year right before the playoff came in, and people up here yeah. still talk about that like we would have beat that Auburn team and, and blah blah <laughs> blah. Um, but anyway, back on your point, uh, it, it, if you're being real with yourself, it is Ohio State and everybody else. Um, there's no other way to look at it. You know, uh, I think it's very clear it was like that for. Uh, to a lesser degree in the early 2000s, but then Urban brought the SEC to Ohio State. That's what he did. Yep. I mean, I think I think we all saw that. Um, he brought our national recruiting plan. He put his foot down on the pedal, you know, through the floor on recruiting and changed yep. the game there and said, you know, looked way behind him and said, hey, keep up. Um, and nobody could, you know. And then it was just a seamless baton pass somehow to Ryan Day, who, you know, did, we didn't really know that much about. And now he's almost cranked it up, you know, another half gear, full gear, however you want to say it. Um, they're they're at a different level. I mean, and no, yeah, so nobody's close. It's not like, you know, when Alabama's up there at the number one class, they've got LSU and Georgia and Florida right there nipping on their heels in the recruiting rankings. Um, and you don't have to you don't have to take those as gospel. That's totally fine. But um, yeah, it is Ohio State and everybody else now. Why? Because they can do that, you know, they can go yeah. into Texas and Georgia and Florida and California. And uh, Washington with the the number one kid in 2021 who's still out there that they're battling for. D. end, uh, I forget his name. They can mm-hmm. do that. You know, Michigan State can't really do that. Iowa, not even Michigan anymore. They can't really compete in the same league um, with the highest of the high ends. Uh, Penn State can't do that. So when you're you know when you're in those battles with Clemson and Alabama and Georgia, uh, and you're winning you know a decent share of them, you're they've just distanced themselves. That's really what it is. And You've got superior talent. It looks like you've got superior coaching. 
uh, all those added in factors of being, you know, basically the pro team in their state and all that. And I guess I shouldn't say that, but I mean, the only, the only major team of the only major college. Um, yeah. So that, that is what it is. And, you know, Mel Tucker's been, like I said, he's been at Ohio state. He knows that. And he's been at Georgia and, and Alabama. So he knows what that type of program looks like. And, he's taken big swings to try and make it. I mean, he's brought this sort of national plan to Michigan state. They're not just hitting Michigan and Ohio and Pennsylvania in the, in a five hour radius anymore. I mean, they're in Louisiana, they're in um, Texas and New Jersey and, and um, Alabama and Georgia, Georgia heavy, all these places that are, they're trying to really expand the map, Arizona. So they're taking a big swing because they know that you got to take a huge swing to try and catch Ohio state. They're trying like I said at the top, I don't know if it's going to work, but uh, they're trying because he's seen where you know that you have to take those huge swings to even get in the same room with these guys in terms of the athletes. So that's really what it is. And then you've kind of got a consolidated second tier where you do have your Iowa's, Penn State, Michigan, you know, and then on your up years, Minnesota, Michigan State when they were good and all that stuff. So that's kind of just the reality of it, you know. And and like I said, it seems like. Ohio State's just distancing itself, especially with what they do in the NFL draft every year. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think you see that. I mean, I believe not last year because LSU dominated. I think they had like 15 players drafted. But Ohio yeah. State the year before had like 12, if I'm not mistaken. So, And they always have a top five pick, it seems like. But I want to shift back to Michigan State, East Lansing, Spartan Stadium. I haven't been able to make a game. I've had some friends that went and said it's beautiful up there. They had a blast. So I really want to get up there. But for you, who's been in the environment, covered the team, what makes this town, Spartan Stadium, so unique on game days, and why should it be somewhere where college football fans put it on their bucket list to go? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sell it up to be like this once in a lifetime <laughs> experience. I think it's cool. I mean, I think it's a firmly upper middle half of the Big Ten experience. Like, look, I don't want to sell your guys short. Like, look, if you can go to Penn State for a whiteout, like first, like go there. If you can go to Kinnick Stadium for something, uh, go there. Um, yeah, uh, Camp Randall, absolutely, go there first, uh, and then go to the Horseshoe. So, you know, again, but uh, I think the, the what Michigan State they don't sell enough to me is the campus stuff. Like it is, it is beautiful. It sits right on a river. Um, it's, it's a small little river. It's not like you know um, you can pull up or anything like that. But uh, it, it, it's just a very um, it's it's really a nice looking if you're into nature it's it's just very woodsy and scenic um with these buildings mixed in there's a mix of really really old stuff really really modern stuff it just all works and so wherever you end up parking you're going to have to take a walk probably through some um through just a really cool scene uh to be honest it's got a cool vibe in that regard um and like i said i don't think they sell sort of that that environment enough it's it's really picturesque especially late in the fall um you know a lot of these places are like tucked off into the corner of campus or you got to take a you know a shuttle there, or it's just surrounded by parking lots. There's just no character to it. Like it's it's dead center of campus, like I said, and, and you only got to take a you know four minute walk in some direction, and you're in a really really cool looking part, most likely by the river and all that. So um, yeah, I mean if you're in the area, sure come check it out. Like I said, there's other ones that are better. I'm not gonna BS people, but uh, <laughs> but um, absolutely, you know it's got some it's got some nice qualities to it. Like if you enjoy just that fall Saturday feel, like you'll leave satisfied i think right i definitely want to come up there for a game i'm a stadium guy i want to try to hit as many as i can covid smacked me in the face last year i had a lot of trips planned that i ended mm. up having to get a refund for i got penn state on my list this year auburn's going over there to play me and my friends have oh, nice. our whole thing planned so hopes that covid 
is somewhat toned down by then. We can get over there to Penn State. But, man, I appreciate you joining me, coming on here to talk Michigan State football. We're doing this so all our listeners can get exposure from all around the country. So I shout out to you for that. But where can our listeners find you? Like, tell them – you can tell them about any 247 stuff you do, any anything that you want to promote here. It's your time. All right, cool. And I appreciate it, man. Uh so on Twitter, if you want to f- want a bunch of Michigan State tweets and articles, uh, hit me up. It's at Stephen M underscore Brooks, and it's Stephen with a PH. Um, and then, you know, anything I write and, and do is all on uh, – best way to get to it is just SpartanTailgate.com. That will redirect you to our homepage. Um, that's the official name. Uh, technically, like each 24-7 branch has their own little name. That's ours. Uh, everything will be right there. Hit up our message boards. Come say what's up. And uh, – you know, if we ever get those rare, um, rare SEC, you know, non-conference crossovers and everything, then uh, then we'll chat it up. You know, we were supposed to have Michigan sure. State, Bama, uh, home and home once upon a time, so yeah. we would have had that to talk about. But um, you know, maybe maybe one day. Yeah, hopefully. I, I know there's pressure on all kind of universities now at the playoffs. You have to play those big non-conference games. It was cool. I got to go to Arlington and see Auburn play Oregon. Two years ago in Bo Nix's first game, that game ended up being way better oh, than yeah, I ever that was thought. That was, that, was, that was a game right there. I mean, I, we even go to just random games. Like, we went up to Alabama for a game where they played LSU that uh, 2016 with Fournette. We just try to make trips all around the country, man, and but we'll definitely make it to Michigan State. But we would love to have you on closer to the season as things start ramping up with Michigan State and – Man, uh, have a have fun. I know you got to cover some basketball coming up, so hopefully Michigan State makes a run. I'll root for y'all because Auburn <laughs> can't get in this year, so I need a team to root for. Auburn has let me down a bunch um, in the uh, wagering space. I'll just say uh, they have been a huge letdown on multiple occasions. So I'm done with <laughs> Auburn basketball. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah. it's- it's all right, man. The Michigan State fans are great. They comforted me. I was in uh, Minnesota for the Final Four, and I was there for the whole fiasco, and there were Michigan State fans. They were right up after us, and they were just like, man, I, I can't believe that happened. And one dude just gave us gave me my, gave me me and my friends a hug. They were like, it's going to be okay. And I was like, I don't think it is. This is the worst day of my life by far. <laughs> man, that was – I felt that for you guys and everything. There was I was right in front of uh, – right behind, I guess, the uh, Auburn, like, I think it was, like, the Taco Bell student section or whatever. Mm-hmm. Either way, it was, like, like maybe, like, 200 students, or maybe not even that much. Um, wasn't many, but uh, some dude just threw two beers up as high as he could, and the cops just came swarming from every direction. And I was like, man, his night just got so much worse. Like, it was already going to be pretty bad, probably. But It was going to be bad either way. I was up, I was on, like, that side of the um, stadium, but I was in, like, the way upper deck, so... So, like, the angle we had, we didn't see the foul call because everyone jumped up because he missed it and everyone thought Auburn won. And so I can tell people safely I know what it's like for Auburn to go to the national championship, but then I know what it's like to have it taken away. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, I was there. That place was awesome. That was cool being in there, uh, that new stadium. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. But, guys – this is a wrap on this interview, man. Y'all know where to find us. It's been scrolling across the bottom. We'll be back later this week with Penn State. So make sure y'all check this out and the Penn State interview later this week. But for myself, for Steven, we are out.